there was never any self-doubt. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm hyping myself up or anything, but the mindset was there. Like I literally was focused and headstrong and I knew it was going to happen because I didn't know how, but I knew it was going to happen. So early on, just try not to focus on how many loops you have left. Um, there's a little box on the side as you come to that start finish line and kind of shows you which lap you're on and how long that lap took you. And so early on, it's just, you know, put the blinders on, just stick to the road, stick to the course. Hello, and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast, where we're all about running long, having fun, and making the human connection. This is episode number 37. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology, and fitness nerd. And I'm joined by the head coach of Race Mob and master motivator, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. We always talk about the power of the race day experience. And sometimes those bonds that you form end up becoming lifelong friendships. Well, Nando and Bertrand met a decade ago at a race, and now they are the closest of friends. You're going to hear that story as part of this incredible chat with Nando Gonzalez. You'll also learn about how this veteran continues to take on the Taji 100 challenge with a passion and how he's helped the event grow significantly over the years. The incredible story of his 100-mile ultra marathon with fellow podcast guest, Coach Jake McCluskey. His tips on how to stay motivated, running trails, and running with a dog. Plus, we dive into the Spirit Aficionado's recommendations. All the show notes can be found online at racemob.com slash podcast. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Hello, Race Mob family. You are in for a fantastic treat today. The one, the only, Nando Gonzalez. We blame Nando for a lot. One, <laughs> he's an avid trail enthusiast who's introduced the love of trail running to so many people and st- jumpstarted their running journey. He served our military well in the United States Marines, a father, a husband, a man of the community, always paying it forward with his beautiful pup race. Welcome, Nando. Thank you. Pleasure to be on, guys. Yeah. You're definitely one of those names we had on our list from the very, very start. We said, yeah, we got to get Nando on the podcast. And how apt that is right now, the Taji 100. We've got you on a veteran who has served our military who has introduced Taji to, I think, a number of people and the group and works really hard behind the scenes to make that whole event live and to happen. So thank you for jumping on the podcast with us. We can't wait to tell your story and help inspire the next generation of athletes. Let's get right into where you grew up. Where did you grow up? What was your introduction into running? I was born and raised here in San Jose, California. Maybe went from, you know, the east side to the north side and, and south side and bounced around, but always here in San Jose. Never moved out from there. But as for running, never liked it. Never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't care for it. <laughs> One of those things that you just avoid. You want to go for a run? Like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. But no, I jumped into it probably 2009, I think it was, when I finally got into it. You know, I was out of the military for a while, started packing on the LBs a little bit. And uh, my brother had challenged me to run the Sounds Like Rock and Roll, you know, sent me a text or called, I don't remember which one it was. And he was just like, hey, if you want to do it, I'll pay for it. So I did a quick Google search. It was like a hundred bucks at that point. So I tried to call his bluff and I was like, yeah, sure. Sign me up. <laughs> and then like, you know, 20 minutes later, he's like, all right, you're in. So I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, I had about two months to train. So you go online, try to find a little a run plan, you know, literally from couch to half in, in two months and stuck to it to a T. Followed everything, you know, the rest days, the run days, you know, the cross training days. I probably lost, I want to say a good 30 pounds in those two months. Wow. Wow. And then 
ran the San Jose Rock and Roll, and to me, it was a respectable time. Finished about 2.02 uh, for my very first half marathon yeah, ever. That's great, man. And that, that was my introduction. But at that point, unfortunately, the mission was to run the rock and roll. So I ran it and then stopped running after that. Everything starts to snowball again. You start putting the, the LBs back on again. Um, so then the following year, I decided, okay, well, this worked last year. Let's do it again this year. But instead of two months, I gave myself an extra month in there and then ran it, beat the time by another six minutes, probably lost another 20 plus pounds again. And at that point is when it stuck with me like, hey, I got to keep running. If I want to keep the weight off, it worked last year, it worked this year. That's what's working for me. Let's just stick to running. So been running since then. That's incredible. I mean, a two month training plan to be able to run a half marathon. What was your fitness like before then? I mean, you had some LBs on if you were able to lose 30 pounds in two months. Give us a sense of where you were at physically. I was over 200, definitely over 200 pounds. But again, at that point, I was out of the Marines. Nothing really keeping me active, you know, enjoying life, drinking, eating a lot. And it just slowly started gaining from there. You know, I did a lot of, you know, kickboxing off and on from high school up till probably 30 plus. But even with that level of intense workout, the, the pounds weren't falling off. You know, it was nothing like what running did for me. Running's the actual driving force behind all the weight coming off. So again, it was like, all right, well, I've tried that. Didn't work. Let me just stick to running because clearly it's working. Proof is in the pudding. How about in the military, Nando? Uh, how was running? I mean, I'm sure, you know, through PT, um, did you did you fight it mentally or just embrace embrace the suck? How was that experience? The actual PT, the running behind it, I mean, we're doing three miles tops, you know, compared to what we're doing now, three miles is, isn't enough. You know, maybe, what, you're looking about a half hour run, if that. The hikes, of course, were longer. You're looking 10, 15, maybe a 20 miler, but that's just slow rucking with the pack behind you. So the running wasn't enough either. You know, hit the gym every now and then, you're bored, want to go hit the gym, but that was it. I mean, it was nothing super intense. I wasn't that jacked guy who hit the weights all crazy in the military. No, not at all. Any tips for avoiding injury if you only have a two-month training time? That seems a little bit crazy for a lot of people, but did you find something within the training plan that you were working with that worked for you or any tips or thoughts on that? Uh, good shoes. Absolutely. You know, early on, just like anybody else who wants to just go for a quick run, I mean, you're running in Converse, Vans, whatever you can find, you know, and you just go out there and run. But no, I think at that point, went and got fitted at a real running shop where you don't get to choose your shoes. They kind of choose them for you, which I thought was odd, but was good, you know, because I'm based in everything on looks, you know, all these look cool. I want to run in those where you go to a real run store, you know, they're going to check your foot strike and everything else and kind of recommend shoes. So I had a good pair of running shoes. And I think that's really what helped as well. You know, is having proper shoes on your feet. You know, your feet's going to take the most damage, taking the most impact. So having a good pair of running shoes, I think is what kept me upright for most of the training. And then also what I heard in there when you were originally talking about that two-month training plan is that you stuck to it. You stuck to the workouts, you did the cross training, and you stuck to the rest days, which some people, when there's a time crunch, they tend to do a little extra. And sometimes a little extra can be the basis for injury. So being able to balance and trust the training, but also emphasize the importance of rest days. Yeah. I mean, it was booked in the training. So obviously it's there for a reason. This guy who posted it <laughs> knew what he was doing, obviously more than <laughs> I did. So if you're telling me I got to rest these days, I'm going to rest those days. You know, And at that point, getting running was hard. So I, I look forward to those rest days. <laughs> And as you mentioned, the cross training days, I think so many people look at a running calendar, running training program, they see, oh, cross training, and they just, you know, make it a throwaway day. And they're like, oh, I'm not running, I'll just treat it as a rest day. Those cross training days, building up that core strength overall, I think that actually does help improve your 
ability to not get injured in those cases. Losing 30 pounds in two months, that is a lot of weight to have come off. Were you changing your diet during that time frame? Nothing major that year. You know, I, I tried to watch what I ate, but it wasn't like a major overhaul where, okay, I'm cutting all of this out. Or I'm calling out, you know, I'm never drinking for the next two months. Nothing like that. I tried watching what I ate, but it wasn't a major diet that I stuck to. It was literally just getting those miles in and, and slowly falling off from there. You know, oftentimes we see with our athletes what we call the minimum effective dose, which means that, you know, when you're starting to get into fitness or you're starting to get into workout, just a little bit of exercise, you'll see a lot of benefit right off the bat and kind of immediately. And so I guess it's no surprise that you were able to lose weight relatively quickly getting right into it. And it probably also sometimes plays a role into like just being a little bit more mindful of what you eat because you're like, oh man, I was out there for an hour running and do I really want to wolf down a huge burger or a bunch of fries or something like that when you put in all of that work? The answer is yes. You really want to put all the bad stuff in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know better. You know, you realize, okay, I don't want to blow what I just did, sabotage myself. But no, mentally, 100%. Where's that double quarter pounder at? Where's the double double? I'm starving. You know, I've been out here for the last hour sweating my butt off. But no, you, you tend to make wiser choices as you're doing the good stuff as well. Talk to us, I guess, about the second year. You said that you did another three months. You led right back into San Jose Rock and Roll again and that experience. When did you guys find each other? When did you guys meet up with each other? What's the story behind that? It was, I believe, after the second year or maybe even going into the third year. I had heard of Taj 100 through another Marine. It, it turned me on to it. You know, hey, this is for veterans. Check it out. You know, I know you're getting into running now. Look into it. So signed up. And that was, I think, 2013, I believe, my first year. That came and went. That's a whole other story. Barely made on the 28th day, the 11th hour. But the tail end of that year, there was a San Jose double road race um, that used to get put on all the time. And I received an email from a gentleman by the name of Bertrand asking me to join their team. And it was the craziest thing ever. I, I felt like I was being recruited to a team, you know, like someone actually was reaching out to me, asking me to join their team. So, of course, I replied like, yes, I'm in. Showed up to the double road race, started looking around. Seems all black guy. Excuse me, sir. Can you tell me where uh, Bertrand is at? He's like, uh, that's me. You can just call me B. <laughs> all right. And then just, you know, from that point on, it was it, it was a match made in heaven. The motivation that, that he brought kept me going well beyond that run. You know, stayed in touch with the team. Found at that point it was... I think it was Team Taji when I wasn't too legit quite yet on the Facebook page. And then just being engaged on the Facebook page, you know, constantly seeing people active and promoting and cheering each other on. We just grew closer and closer from that point. So I want to say it was probably around that 2013 range. Yeah, you're, you're correct. Right around the time. Yeah, I, I've met Bertrand. So, I mean, that is incredible. Great year. <laughs> yeah. Great year. Great year for bangs. connections. I mean, for yeah, sure. you just you never know when that person next to you at the starting line or that person that you meet briefly is going to be one of your closest friends. So that is incredible to look back on and reflect on these like small moments and, and what they mean for us. Kevin, you've heard Nando as well. You've heard me say, if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. That's the wonderful thing about the running community. And for me, it's given me some of my closest friends. I mean, it really has just the common love of getting outdoors and moving forward and great things can happen physically and socially. Both of you are two of my closest friends. And in Nando's case, I mean, he is one of the pillars of the one of San Jose's, you know, the South Bay's largest running clubs, you know, to legit fitness. He's a advisory member. He's also a board member, as we talk more on Taji 100. So his impact is profound. 
and his ability to inspire and lead by example. Um, this dude is a badass. Yes, I said that, everybody. Um, <laughs> and we'll get into some of his Herculean journeys here shortly. But um, yeah, good stuff. Talk to us about Taji. Did you introduce it to Bertrand? Is that how that went? Or did you guys kind of learn about it? No, it was the other way around. Bertrand was already part of it. Like I said, a gentleman by the name of Marco had told me about it because I was in the Marines with him. I was connected through him through Facebook. So he just kind of gave me the link, told me about, hey, check it out. You know, it's for veterans. Um, it's 100 miles in February, which seemed like a huge feat at the time. And it, it still is. But just knowing everything that was behind it and what they were about drove me to it and, you know, made me challenge myself and go for it that first year. And I believe I'm this year going to my ninth year now consecutively. Wow. As a veteran, can you reflect on what the first experience meant to you, what that Taji experience has meant to you? Yeah, it was just what the organization stood for, giving back to the veterans. And at that point, uh, they were partnered with the Wounded Warrior Project, which I had heard of, and I knew they did good things as well. So I signed up and I believe I got a couple of people to sign up that year. But every year after that, I, I constantly reached, you know, a wider and wider net, you know, casting out, trying to get more and more people in. And they also gravitated to it because they got referred to it by me, who they know was in the military. So it just, that's what brought them in as well. And then I knew it was going to be a struggle. I knew it was going to be hard, but that's, you know, kind of the mindset you have going into it is to challenge yourself. And then being in the military, you kind of get used to those, you know, those, those mental roadblocks and having to overcome challenges and, you know, getting over it. So no, that kind of drew me to it and went for it. And from that point, you know, I was still in contact with Bertrand. You know, and I'd give them ideas and tips and things that I thought about. Hey, what if we tweak this or change the wording on this? And that's where that kind of transition into being part of the board came in, you know, because I was constantly, you know, giving my feedback, not nitpicking or anything, but just like, hey, let's try this or let's word it this way. Or what do you think about this? And, you know, he'd reach back out like, hey, we're thinking of this logo type of deal. What, what tweaks would you make? And I would, just, you know, constantly give the input. I felt gravitated to the event. You know, I wasn't, quote unquote, part of it on the back end. But I love the event so much, I, I went to contribute as much as I could on the back end to make it better and better every year as well, even though at that point I was just a participant. And look at Taji now, sold out for 2021, coming off a year where we gave nearly $75,000 to Team RWB, our parent charity organization. We're going to top that. And a lot of that has to do with your support, your vision, your energy, and being a voice for other participants as well. Have you met others during the Taji journey? And like, what types of stories do you have? from those experiences? I don't know if I've met anybody that I didn't already know. You know, a lot of the big group comes from the Toolgit Fitness family, who I've known from that point, and then also the people that I've recruited from it. So I, I wouldn't be able to say that I've met somebody brand new that I didn't already know kind of going into it. But it is a great sense of community, knowing that you're going to go out and get some miles in and someone random is going to see your shirt and kind of just be like, hey, you're doing it too. Or, you know, just or ask you about it. You know, hey, what's that shirt? You know, when we go out and do, you know, these run local events, you know, we'll, we'll come deep. Well, everybody's going to wear their Taji shirt, especially if it's coming February. And everybody you're running by is asking, like, who are all you guys with the same shirts on? What is this event? What is it? You know, can you tell me more about it? So again, that adds to the community as well. How about transformational stories from people that you did know, people that you brought in? Any of them stick out? A handful of them. I wouldn't say that I brought in on my own, you know, one right off the bat that comes to mind, Judge Dora. Huge transformation, you know, amazing, you know, before and after photos of her just getting out there, getting after it. There's one year my dad did it. That was great, you know, getting my parents involved. My mom did it as well. And they kind of had a little rivalry against each other, see who's going to log the most miles, and which is great. And now currently this year, I got another cousin of mine who's getting into his weight loss journey as well. And I told him it's, it's addicting. You know, it's a great event. And it's weird how much you look forward to it. I mean, you almost start fiending and trying to find hours of the day and checking your schedule. Like, oh, 
I can get another walk in at this point, or I can get a run at this point. Family's asleep. I can probably get one late night. And you just snowballs, and you're just constantly looking for, you know, that free time to go out and get some more miles in. So right now, yeah, my, my cousin out in Gilroy right now is really getting it done. So super proud of him. Nana, why don't you elaborate a little bit more about your cousin and who you put him in contact with as a fitness mentor recently? Oh, absolutely. He had reached out to me and we kind of started talking about his journey. And first and foremost, put him onto the podcast, you know, said, hey, if you're going out for a walk and, and you listen to podcasts, here's a great one to listen to. And it was the one that you guys did with uh, Coach Jake. Um, and he reached out to Coach Jake directly, you know, and they've been in contact and, and working with each other and definitely keeping him motivated. You know, Jake, we know, is an amazing guy. has a great story on his own. So they kind of resonated that way and, you know, and built a nice little bond between them. I think things are looking great. I'm super happy for them. Talk to us about your love for trails. Bertrand has mentioned that you brought this love for trails into their group. Where did it come from? Where did it spawn from? That started several years ago. Uh, a cousin of mine was going into the army at, the point, at that time, and his recruiter was out there getting him workouts in, and they went to a place called Quicksilver. And at that point in time, I lived over in the Evergreen area, and I was constantly just running the streets. And you know, I wanted to get some miles in before he left off to his boot camp, so he invited me to Quicksilver. You know, told me to come run with him. And there was a little five mile loop that I'm sure everybody's pretty familiar with. And he had his time, which was his PR time. And it was my first time running trails. And I told him like, Hey, we're going to beat that by five minutes today. And he kind of laughed it off. Um, but sure enough, we, I, I pushed him hard and we beat it by five minutes and it was amazing. And it was just, it was a different running experience. You know, you're not just doing that same repetitive motion. You're using, you know, your core muscles and, you know, stability, you're going up, you're going down, you know, you're turning sideways. It's just, it's a different running form, which which I really like. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about stoplights and dogs coming after you or cars or anything. I ran into an occasional mountain lion, but aside <laughs> from that, you know, it's, it's its own experience. It's great, you know, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. It got to one point where I want to say every weekend in an entire year, I was out of Quicksilver and I would just put the invite out. Okay, who wants to come out? Who wants to come out? And we've gotten all the way up to about 15, 20 people at one point out there, you know, running that same five mile loop you know, all different fitness levels. So the slower ones, hey, go ahead and get a head start. The faster ones, you can wait a little bit. Uh, so we can all kind of finish around the same time, get our, our finished photo together. But it was just great. And everybody I turned on to it just started to fall in love with it as well. You know, it's so different than running your normal streets day to day. Being out there with nature, whether you're hearing animals, seeing an animals, we get out there in the dark, which changes your whole perspective on everything. You know, now you're, all of your sensories are, are on a high alert, you know, because you can't see anything. You just have your headlamp any rustle in the bushes like oh my god what's that over there you know trying to shine your light on it and you're just so much more alert it's the same trail you normally run but now it's heightened so much more running in the dark you know getting started at 5 five thirty in the morning i love the trails it was just amazing so as many people that i can turn on to it i would turn them on to it and, and it's a different workout i would have people that i would run with and you know they're doing eight miles a day sweet come run the trails with me and three four miles in that's it. They're gassed. Now you're running with elevation. Now you're climbing up hills. It's not that same flatness that you're used to. So you start to realize, hey, this is actually a better workout for me than running flat. So it makes you a better runner, a stronger runner. And then when it comes time to run flatline, it, it, it almost feels like you're running downhill because you don't have no elevation to work with. Everything that the trails do for you is just so awesome. So you know, anybody I can turn on to it and bring them out there on the trails, I would bring them out to the trails with me. Well, what are your favorite trails? You mentioned Quicksilver. Do you ever drive out to other trails? What What are some that you would recommend here in the Bay Area? I just stay local. Quicksilver, there's the front side, um, which is the Maccabee entrance. To me, that's the medium side. Then you go to the back side over Hacienda side. That's a whole lot harder. So if you want to up the intensity, you start over on that side. 
And then Alum Rock Park. I love Alum Rock Park, whether it's, you know, the Picaro Lou, you know, you got the North Rim and the South Rim. And if you want to just do a quick short one, you go up to Eagle Rock and back. But it's usually between those two. I don't really venture out into other ones. Because again, if you don't know where you're running, you easily get lost out in the trails. Uh, but no, Quicksilver, I've, I've spent a lot of time out there, run from entrance to entrance, from one side all the way to the other side and back. At this point, kind of know a lot of those trails like the back of my hand. You know, I can see somebody post a map that they ran. I know exactly where they went and where they turned and how they came back. And But Quicksilver is definitely, uh, that's home court for me. You know, so once I found out they're doing a 50K there, I'm like, sure, I've ran all these trails before. Now I'm just kind of linking all the different pieces I've done together into one big event. So absolutely, I was, I was all over that one. And how did you go from, speaking of linking races together, your very first Taiji 100, where you said it was, you know, at the, the last hour and you got just to 100 miles in 28 days to running 100 miles in just over 24 hours. What? <laughs> um, every year I tried to up the Taji 100. You know, I started, like I said, very first time, barely made it, you know, last hour of the last day. The following year, I tried to do a little faster. So probably like three weeks, got it down to two weeks. I think the fastest I did it was probably in six days. And that was with a one day rest in there. So it was five running days, but six days overall, I finished on the sixth. So just, you know, constantly just trying to push myself. Okay. How much faster can I do it? And how much longer can I run? On my 35th birthday is when I first had my first dose of ultra running. Had a friend, again, also in the Marines, Juan, who had went out and ran. I think he also probably did right around that 35 mile marker. And had the idea of, hey, 35 for 35. So I decided, okay, this year I'm going to do it. I'm turning 35. Let's run 35 miles. And mind you, I hadn't run anything more than a half marathon. That rock and roll was was my pinnacle. That's as long as I've gone. So rock and roll is in October. My birthday's in February. So I literally had, I don't know, what's that? November, December, January, three months to go from 13 miles to 35 miles. And just kind of trained for it. Kind of got my body in a nice rhythm where I knew at this pace, I can go on forever, you know, because the faster you run, the, the faster you're going to die out, you know. So I, I found a nice, comfortable pace where I felt like, okay, at this pace, I can go long. So I went out, mapped it out, figured, okay, now where am I going to get the 35 from? You know, I don't want to do a loop. How am I going to, whether it be support, what if I need help out there? So I went out and drove from Gilroy, I believe it's from Gilroy High, all the way to downtown San Jose, and it left me short. So I want to finish at Jack's Bar so I can have a drink. It left me short probably about three miles, and that was perfect. Because then everybody who's going to meet me at the finish line can do a three-mile loop with me instead of being doing the full length. You know, and these are people, whether it be family, friends who want to get out and get some miles in, but no, they're not going to be able to do the full thing. So started zero dark 30, had a couple of friends out there with me, had family members kind of do the aid stations. Every 10 miles, they would stop, pop the trunk and have, you know, food, beverages and everything else we may need to kind of rehydrate. Finish right around Jack's Bar, like I said, had another, another big group join us and just trotted around the neighborhood, came, looped back around and finished up with 35 miles. And the goal was a 10 minute pace. Like that was at that point in my running career, if you would say, that was my comfortable pace where I felt like I can go forever. And we literally finished with an overall pace of 10.01. Like nailed it perfectly to a T. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah, that was was my first dose of, okay, let's go big. How am I going to go big? And it was that 35 miler. So the following year, I was like, okay, how am I going to top that? I want more. 35 was great. Now, how am I going to top that? So there's an event called the Relay, the Golden Gate Relay which goes from Calistoga, California, all the way down to Santa Cruz. And that's a 199-mile relay run. And generally, it's done with 12 people, which is good. But again, <laughs> not good enough for me. Like, I wanted to do more. So I reached out to the race organization and asked them, like, I know it's supposed to be 12. Can we do it with six? And they got back to me. They're like, sure. You know, if you want to do it with six, 
But since we're not following the quote unquote rules, we can't, we're not, you know, eligible for any trophies or medals or, you know, anything else race specific. But he's like, if you want to do it, go right ahead. I'm perfectly fine with that. Again, reached out to about five friends, kind of worked out the logistics. Okay, who's doing what leg? Which van are you going to be in? And we ran 199 miles from Calistoga over to Santa Cruz. But again, I wanted more. So I made sure that my leg was a little bit longer than everybody else's. I wanted to push myself. And I think that one I ended up doing, I think it was 41 miles total in the span of, I think it was like maybe 24 hours. So I was 41 miles. Like, great. I stretched it. Now what's next? You know, that's that constant question. Okay, what's next? How am I going to top this? And then finally it dawned on me. All right, I guess guess the next logical thing is going to be 100 miles. Which is not logical by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you don't go from 41 to 100. But at that point, what kind of crazy thinking was disclaimer, that? disclaimer, <laughs> rest days. Yeah, you do, you followed that plan so well, the rest days. <laughs> yeah. Not logical at all. But in my way of thinking, it was okay, how, how am I going to get to that next level? So it was a 100 mile run that I kind of started putting my eyes on. And just like in before, like, okay, if I can find that comfortable pace where I can run forever, Let's give it a shot. And found the event here, local, San Martin, the, the rendezvous. And it's it's a two-mile loop that you got to run 50 times. But I figured that would be perfect because I don't have to carry anything with me. I don't have to carry a pack. I don't have to carry food because I'm literally no more than one loop away from my quote-unquote aid station. It's a two-mile loop. So if I do got to pull the plug and walk back to the car, again, no more than one mile out to one mile back in. Or if I'm actually doing... I don't want to say a real event, but, you know, your traditional 100-miler, and I'm tapping out, yeah, I may have to walk 20 miles back to somewhere. So I figured, okay, this would be a great way to test myself, but do it smartly, where I'm not out in the middle of nowhere. I don't have a support crew with me. So put it out there to the team, let them know, you know, I'm going to have a couple of training runs in there. Obviously, Coach Jake, he said he was going to do it with me. And they kept prolonging the start, the sign-up, the registration. And then they finally opened it up. I ran into Jake, and he said, hey, I'm signing up this week. And again, try to call his bluff. All right, you sign up. I'll sign up right behind you. And sure enough, he signed up. And there, like, all right, I guess I'll sign up too. <laughs> so we, we were both in. And at that point, it was like, hey, time on feet. Time on feet. Like, I just want to finish the run. It's not about trying to set a PR or anything. I had nothing to go for. Just to be able to say I did 100 miles. Um, so I went and did a six-hour run. You know, picked up Jake in the morning. Hey, let's go out there. Let's run the course. Let's get familiar with the course. Here's where we're going to be. We went out early and ran for six hours. And it wasn't, you know, how far are we going to run for six hours? How fast are we going to run those six hours? It was, let's just time on feet six hours. So we got that training run in. A few weeks later, we figured, okay, well, let's double that. Let's get a 12-hour in, in there. So same thing, picked them up. We probably got out there, you know, in that five, six o'clock range in the morning. And again, you know, you had your ice chest, you had your water, your Gatorade. We had plenty of food. And it was, let's just time on feet 12 hours. Regardless of how many miles we're getting in, let's just time on feet. Just to get the body acclimated to, you know, the pounding of the pavement and the monotony of running around a two mile loop over and over and over. Um, So we did it. I think I ended up with maybe 55 miles that day and it was hot. I think we're in triple digits. What? Because the events in in August, it's the hottest month of the year for us. So being able to get out there and get that 12 miler under the belt, again, don't follow anything I say, but I figured, okay, if I can do 12 hours, I can do 24 hours, which again, doesn't make sense, but... (laughs) But you probably also felt like, I don't want to do 75 miles. I don't want to do 18 yeah, hours. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this is good enough. Like, I go know what it. I'm getting in for. Um, so yeah, a few weeks later, it was the rendezvous 100 miler. I had a sign up sheet for the team, you know, because they said the second half, you know, you're back 50, you can have pacers out there with you. And I didn't quote unquote need a pacer because I knew I was going at my own pace. 
but I wanted that company, you know, because you're going to get lonely out there. It's three o'clock in the morning, you know, or you're running at midnight. So I had a sign-up sheet, you know, and everybody kind of put their names in there, whether it be a half hour time slot, a two hour time slot. And, you know, just everybody kind of cycled in from the team, kept me motivated, took my mind off of running in circles for, you know, 29 hours. I think I slept overall four minutes on a park bench and just kept going, you know, at that, towards the end, probably the most blisters I've ever had on my feet at one point, knees were aching, but at no point was I not going to finish. It was what condition am I going to be in when I finish, you know, am I hobbling? Am I crawling? How long is it going to take me? But it was never, okay, I'm probably not going to finish it. Like the mindset was always there, even leading into it. I knew I was going to finish it, just didn't know which condition I would be when I crossed that finish line. So it was about 29 hours total. And it was great with your family out there, you know, your wife, daughter, um, you know, brothers, pops out there, you know, shoulder to shoulder. It's a great showing of community and all inspired by your, you know, you took a challenge. You jumped up huge in mileage and, you know, it was a good example for a lot of people. You put your mind to something and get outside of your comfort zone and just put one foot in front of the other and how that metaphor plays out in life in so many areas. You know, you're going to have adverse, you're going to have challenges. But your ability just to navigate, you know, stay the course and uh, eventually you'll get to that virtual or real life finish line. If you like our podcast then sign up for our newsletter where we give you weekly tips on how to run your best race and have fun in the process. Just go to racemob.com and sign up today. Can you talk to us about how you approached it from a mindset or how your mindset changed throughout the race? I'm, I'm just like trying to picture this race in my mind. It's two mile loop. Like loop one, loop two, loop three. And then like, you know, (laughs) like at some point, probably like loop 10 or 20, you're like, oh my God, this is going to go on forever, right? Like walk us through how you approached it, how your mindset might have changed throughout the race. Like at what points were you doubting yourself or were you not doubting yourself? And there was never any self-doubt. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm hyping myself up or anything, but the mindset was there. Like I literally was focused and headstrong and I knew it was going to happen. Because I didn't know how, but I knew it was going to happen. So early on, just try not to focus on how many loops you have left. Um, There's a little box on the side as you come to that start finish line. It kind of shows you which lap you're on and how long that lap took you. And so early on, it's just, you know, put the blinders on. Just stick to the road, stick to the course. Um, There's a small little incline on there, which I made the mental note of, I'm going to walk this incline. Because I remember from my six-hour and the 12-hour journey, that that little incline, and mind you, very small, no more than about 100 feet incline. But after 30, 40 miles into it, I mean, I felt like I was climbing Mount Everest on that same little incline. So going into the 100 mile, I said, okay, I'm going to walk this incline every single time. You know, so that was my chance to walk, hydrate, you know, chop it up with whoever may have been on that loop with me. So just blinders on, don't pay attention to how many laps you have left. Because it is a huge feat. If you think about, oh my God, I got 50 laps to go. You get one lap down. Okay, great. Now I got 49 left. So just try to tune that out. And before I knew it, you know, nightfall started to come. And then once the night comes, everything's black. Everything looks the same. You're not, again, trying to pay attention to how many miles you have left. You know, occasionally I'd glance over. I had done a couple 50Ks before. So at least that's how I would break it down. Okay, I got another 50K left. I have two 50Ks left. And try to think of it that way. But there was really a, a several hour period that I don't remember at all. I just completely tuned everything out. I don't remember who was walking with me at the time. I, there's a lot that I don't remember. Um, and when I was recapping and kind of giving my, my thank yous to everybody, I almost felt bad. Like I, I didn't remember them walking with me, but it was just, I don't know if you want to call it in a zone or going delirious or pardon the pun, going loopy. 
and then kind of snapped back out of it with the sunrise. Sunrise came and I was like, all right, we're coming up on 24 hours, game time. What do I have left? How many miles is it? Great. I got about a marathon left. I could do it on tired feet. Like, let's go. And calling in the reinforcements. Okay. Can you come get a mile in? You come get a mile in. Who's going to come get a couple laps in with me? And again, just having the different people out there just help break everything up, you know? So then I, I can run with this guy and talk to them and talk to this person through the night. Coach B, Earl Hooks, Chewy, Sully. Sullivan might have been out there with there. I just mm-hmm. know that it was. It was comedy, nonstop laughing, just <laughs> chewing his light up pants and just, I mean, everything. It was just nonstop. So, I mean, again, anything to break the mind up. Uh, There's a point in time where they left me behind. I'm like, hello, you guys are here to run with me and you guys are going at your own pace. What about me? My bad. <laughs> it was great. It was a journey. But I went from, you know, trying to ignore everything to not even knowing anything. So now, you know, I'm almost a second wind, you know, be, being back alert, like, okay, let's finish this thing up. I assume you ran a bit of it with Jake. Did he end up entering as well? And did you guys end up seeing each other, finishing near each other? Yeah, no, Jake did phenomenal. We both did it. Jake finished in a faster time than me. I think, you know, I had so many people there. I had a rest aid station. My wife was there. My kids were there. Or my kid, excuse me. So every loop, I felt almost obligated to stop talk to them. You know, I, I felt rude to just run by them. You came out to see me and I'm just going to run by you and go do my next loop. So that I think started to started chipping away at the time. Every five minute adds up, you know, 10 loops in five minutes each loop. Well, there's an hour already on top of that. So looking back, if I would ever do it again, I'd probably try to minimize the stops to bring my time down. You know, but Jake was just, he was a madman, just man on a mission. You know, I, I'd see him every now and then. Cause it's only a two mile loop. So you're never that far away from each other. But no, he, he did amazing. And I, and I got to see him out there, get a couple miles in with him. So that was cool. Talk to us a little bit about when did your mindset shift around running in general? Like you mentioned the first year, it was all about that goal. It was all about that half marathon. It was all about reaching that goal. Maybe even the second year it was something similar. Like I'm going to reach this goal. I'm running for a purpose. I'm running to hit something. At some point, I'm assuming that the mind shift changed where you enjoyed running, that you enjoyed your time out there, that it wasn't so much just about hitting goals, but it was more about getting some time to go out and running. When do you think that happened? Later on, when I started running with people, I'm very honest with myself. I will flake on myself every single time. If I'm not meeting somebody out there, I have great intentions. I'll set the alarm. I'll get the clothes out. I'll get the shoes out. I'll lay everything out. And then I just won't go. Like I'll, I'll hit the snooze button. I'll go back to sleep and I will flake on myself, you know, every day of the week. But once you start building that community and your accountability buddies, whether it be Coach B, Becky, throughout the years, I had different ones as well. That's what kept me, kept me going, kept me motivated. And like I said, once I seen that weight loss come off, I knew that running is important. Running is good for your health. It's going to keep you in shape or at least get you in shape or get you going. So I knew at that point that, yes, just reach out to somebody have them hold me accountable. I hold them accountable, work together as a team. And it made running a lot more enjoyable. You know, I'm not out there alone, trying to entertain myself, listening to music. You're actually having a personal conversation, catching up on the week, talking about whether it be sports and the time just flies by, you know, before you know it, five miles is done. You got your mile, you're running for the day. Half the day goes by and you almost forgot that you ran that morning because we're running so early in the morning that's where everything changed is being able to run with people in that sense of community and, and hold each other accountable. I really like that. And that's what that's currently was keeping me going as well. You know, if it wasn't for my accountability buddies, I would have zero miles. And then you've paid it forward as much as 
you know, enjoying running with people, you've also been a pacer. Maybe share some of your event pacing. Remember at one point there were actual live events, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you bring flavor and character to those events as well. I mean, you know, had several people who've commented that, you know, they really enjoyed pacing with you for various reasons. Why don't you just, you know, share your experience and how you approach that, knowing the psyche of a, a runner, maybe new to running or maybe chasing a new distance or maybe chasing a PR and being a part of some of those efforts. Pacing is challenging. It is absolutely challenging because you're basically, people are counting on you to get to the finish line at a certain time. Uh, that's, that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is, okay, which approach am I going to take? You know, am I going to stay steady Eddie so we get to the finish line and we never deviate from X pace? Or are you going to run slightly faster than your intended pace so you can walk through the aid stations and build those walks into it, you know, or slow down for the incline? You know, like, so there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. My very first pacing gig uh, was in San Jose. And I drew the time slot of two hours and 45 minutes. That's a long time to be out there for a half marathon. But all right, like, let's do it. You know, got the pack on, always run with music. And I'm out there just doing my thing. And for the most part, I was by myself for, we'll call it maybe 75% of it. And then you finally either catch somebody or somebody falls back to you or somebody catches you the other way around. And then that conversation starts. It's like, hey, 245, you know, I've never made it in 245 before. I've only done it, you know, in 253 hours. So then the conversation starts, you know, hey, stick with me. I will get you the finish line. If you need to walk, we'll walk. We'll build back up into it. And that person's counting on you, you know. And my job, again, as a pacer is to finish within X time. I mean, it literally one, one minute up, one minute behind. You need to be on as spot on as possible. So we took it all the way to the end. Coming around that last corner, I told her, like, this is it. Like, this is the last corner. I need the course. And I said, just go. Like, don't worry about me. I need you to go. And it's like, you're going to come with me? I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I got to stay on my pace. You know, as much as I would love to run with you to the finish line and cross that finish line, no, I, I need, this is, this is you. You're going to get your PR, turn this corner and just go. Let loose. You got about 100 yards left. Just turn it and go. And they took off. They finished. I got to the end and again, just doing my job, two hours. And there they were waiting for me, gave me a hug, told me how much it meant to them, to encourage them to get to them to that PR, something they never thought they would do before. And that was just such a rewarding feeling knowing that I got somebody there. And in my mind, that's the only person I knew of because I was stride by stride with that person. But then as you turn around the corral, you have, you know, somebody else reaching out to you, you know, hey, I didn't talk to you, but I was right behind you and I kept my eyes on you and I knew I had a pace with you. So there's the people that you do help directly. And then there's the people you have indirectly who are using you as a guide, making sure they, you know, keep their eyes on you or not letting you catch them and getting people to that finish line is awesome. And that was, it was a smaller event doing rock and roll. Being a pacer for that one, Silicon Valley, pacer for that one. And those are a lot bigger events, you know. Now, again, more pressure, more people, more pressure <laughs> because they're counting on you, you know. So I think maybe I did a, a 215 pace one year and maybe a 210 the other year. But it's just awesome, just building that small community. You know, everybody's sticking together. It was trying to hold on to it and things that we take for granted. Again, my first half marathon was a 202. Now you want me to run a 245. What, what is this? You know, now I'm going to go on slow. Like, no, people are counting on it just because I've done it that pace. None of the people have ever maybe have done it that pace. So doing the 215 pace, you understand, like, these are people who probably never done that fast before. And you got to coach them and keep them energized and sticking with you to get to that finish line and getting their PR, their goals. So it's definitely rewarding. I love it. Even though I'm not trying to set my own PR, that's fine. Put me aside. I'm glad I can get other people to reach their goals and their PRs. It's awesome. Maybe you didn't set, you you weren't looking to chase your PRs that day, but I can certainly recall an occasion where you signed up for one race and you PR'd at four different distances. 
You PR'd at the 5K, at the 10K, the half marathon and marathon. Who does that? Yeah, that was another Let's one of those things that wasn't too smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's the Rebel races, which is all our downhill races. And a good buddy, Mr. Eric Sullivan, was going for his. Just wanted to BQ for Boston. And we found one up in Portland. Love Portland. Great beer up there. Figured, hey, let's make it a family trip out of it. You, you take your family. I'll take my family. And, you know, let's get you this, this PR. So we had a couple of training runs, running down Mount Hamilton, trying to get used to just that downhill for so long and getting the speed going. Now, mind you, this guy's a whole lot faster than I am. Taller, skinnier, and has an amazing beard. <laughs> but my, my goal at that point was, <laughs> let me just hold on for dear life. That's it. Like, I, I'm going to go just put the hammer down and just go until the wheels fall off because they're going to fall off at some point. But I was there with him and it's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do my best to hold your speed down. Let's just go with it. And my again, downhill running. You literally just pick your feet up and keep from falling. Let gravity do the work for you. And I PR'd a 5K time, 10K, half marathon, and the full marathon as well. Just going to the wheels fall off. I mean, I, I don't know what my pace was up front. I was probably in the low sixes. And then, you know, got longer as, as the course went on, but it was just, just going for it. And it barely made it, barely made it to the end. Like, I couldn't wait for that thing to be over. But I know half marathon was probably in that 130 range. Wow. And again, I, I knew like, okay, double that, that's your full marathon, but I, there's no way I'm going to maintain this pace. I'm just barely holding on at that point. And each marker, I felt like I'm done. Like I hit that 5k and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Let me push again. I push again to that 10K. And I'm like, oh, am I going to make it to the half marathon? I don't know how to make it. And I got to the half marathon. And same deal. Get to the half marathon. I walk again. Like, there's no way I'm going to get to the finish line on this one. I mean, that was when I really didn't think I was going to finish. Like, because I was pushing so hard for each one of those markers. I barely held on to the to the full marathon, but got there and PR'd every distance along the way. Yeah, and huge PR on the on the mar- half marathon and, and marathon. I mean, it was, you know, maybe, boy, like 30 plus minutes, 30, 40 minutes. It was a huge you know, huge PR. Because your first yeah, marathon. Yeah, the full marathon, it was probably, yeah, close to maybe 40, 50 minutes faster. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, that's. Oh, it hurt. It hurt. Close ish to Boston qualifying time, right? I mean, if you were at 130 halfway point and. If I maintain that, well, no, it, I tanked real quick after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had I maintained the half marathon pace, absolutely. But there's yep. no way in hell I was keeping that pace going. How about Sully? Did he qualify for Boston? No, I think he cramped up right towards the end. Maybe it looked like uh, a couple miles left. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and that was it. But then we drank our sorrows away in Portland. So I'll take hey. it. It was, good. It was <laughs> a great I'll take time. take that, yeah. Like you said, a great beer city. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, something else that, that we have in common and, and in common with Sully too is running with dogs. I know that you run with a canine as well. So any tips for those in our audience who run with dogs, things that you've learned maybe over the years? Not to push it. I made it clear from day one that I didn't want my dog to feel like I'm dragging him along, you know, like pulling him behind me. Like, hey, this is your run as well as it's mine. When you want to stop, I'll stop. You know, I'm not that guy who's going to force you into a run. But he's a Doberman, a European Doberman. So he's a working breed and they love to run and have a quote unquote job to do. You know, and when we run, his job is to tow me behind him. Um, So that adds a little resistance to him, gets him feeling like he's working, makes me run faster. But I would absolutely recommend a hands-free leash. You want your normal running form as much as possible and holding on to a leash with one hand kind of takes you out of that rhythm, takes, you know, whether he speeds up or moves around, you know, having a, a waist pack to where you can run with both hands freely just makes it so much more natural. But again, you're out there for him as much as he's out there for you. 
make it enjoyable for your dog as well. You know, know their limits. If he's getting tired, cool, let's walk it out. You know, I'm not going to force you to run 10, 15 miles when, when you're not up to that level either. You know, so we started small, maybe doing two, three milers at a time. And he's a running dog. It was weird. We looked down and he's not panting. His, he's running with his mouth closed. I'm like, what, what's wrong with his dog? Like, does he not know how to run properly? <laughs> but no, every five at five, he's, he's there with me, accountable. He's another accountability buddy with, of mine. He hears my alarm go out before I do and walks over to the bed and plops his head around the matches, <laughs> waiting for me to wake up. Uh, and then he drives me nuts for the next half hour as I try to get ready. He constantly just whines and whines and whines <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> and I, I've tried everything from throwing him outside to yelling at him to put him in his crate. And it's just like, <laughs> hold on, we're going to go right now. Uh, but as soon as we're out the door, he's quiet. He's happy. He's in his happy place. He's done, I think, maybe two half marathons with me. Wow. Full of energy. So much energy. We'll do the half marathon. <laughs> we come home and he grabs his balls and wants to go play fetch now. You know, like, <laughs> just ran a half marathon. Like, you seriously want to play some more? Ball is life for him. But it's great. I mean, anybody who can get a dog who wants to run and is those type of dogs, you know, don't get yourself a chihuahua and try to make it a running dog. <laughs> but dogs need the exercise. They, they need that mental stimulation. They need a way to get their energy out. Otherwise, that's when they end up getting in trouble. You know, they, they're trying to find a way to get their energy out. So now they're going to start digging you know, or chewing on furniture or doing something they shouldn't be doing because they got to get the energy out. So again, this is the way for me to get his energy out, him to keep me out there running. He's clearly a whole lot faster than I am. So he's up in my pace, <laughs> getting my heart going a little faster than it should be at times. Uh, but he, now he, he loves to run. He loves to sprint. Coach B eggs him on every now and then because he knows he, he wants to be up there in the front as well. I think that we've gotten a sub five minute pace. Now, mind you, not a whole, not a whole mile. Um, but just a wow. dead sprint. There's one spot in the course that he knows like that. That's his block. Like we're going to go balls out this block. And I'm like, all right, let me hold on for dear life. And then we just bolt down the block. And I think ah, I posted it. We're probably in that 440 range, 450 yeah. pace. Mm -hmm. But no, it, it's, it's great having him. And the, part of the reason why we got him was to keep me running. You to get an animal that's going to want to run. That's exactly what happened with Sully. His dogs are what got him into running and keeps him running. I mean, his dog's gone about to 20 miles, but that would mean I got to run 20 miles. So at this point, my dog's not running 20 miles. <laughs> and you, uh, races on the Taji leaderboard as well. Yeah. He's got his own little canine group there called Who Let the Dogs Out? Canines right. only. Oh, man. But he's been I mean, logging just about on there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling B, I think he is the happiest participant in the Taji 100. She is just like, oh, we had to go on another walk? Oh, another run? Oh, what is going on? So. Yeah, you know, he's he's loving it right now. Yeah, he's getting more runs in than he's ever gotten in any month before. So I think last year, last year, he probably got the 100 in as well. I didn't sign him up, but this year I signed him up, gave him his own team and, and logged in his own miles, separate from mine. Because if we, if I take him for a walk, that's his miles, not my miles. You know, so I want to make sure we kind of differentiate that. Um, then there was one run that I did where it was supposed to rain where I left him at home because nobody likes a smelly wet dog. So I left him home. <laughs> We're, you know, we're not tied neck and neck. You know, I, I did one run with it without him and then he's done two walks that I locked for him and not for me. But we're both over that 50 mile mark at this point. So we're pacing good. And it's so cool to watch Race enter his own miles, you know, with the pause. <laughs> what a cool <laughs> name, Race. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Touchscreen has come a long ways. If he's <laughs> Voice activated. <laughs> and great team name as well, who let the dogs out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know we wanted to get into a couple of other things. Um, so why don't we dive into them real quick? One around cycling. I mean, I think you've 
recently got into cycling. Give us some adventures that you've had out on the bike. Cycling was another way that I, I had thought about changing it up a little. Again, cross-training, trying to get different things in there. And a buddy of mine from the Marines, Juan, we talked about him earlier. He had an idea of doing a 100-miler, I think it was in September. Now, mind you, I'd never really biked. I know how to ride a bike, but I didn't have a bike or got into cycling or anything. So I think August is when I finally got my bike. So I had one month to go from zero to 100. Sounds familiar. And <laughs> got out there with Sully. Sully had his bike already. Uh, I think my first bike ride was probably a 40-miler. Wow. Stretched it out to a 50. And then again, you know, like, hey, I can go long at this. You know, don't push as hard. You're going to be able to go even further. And so wildfires came. So we had to push it out from September to October. And then life happened. So he couldn't do it after all. But we figured, okay, we'll do it in his honor. So we biked from downtown San Jose all the way out to the Golden Gate Bridge. Flipped wow. it around, came back. That ended up being 115 miles round trip. Wow. Um, wow. Luckily, no flats or anything. But it was an amazing adventure. You know, that was great. We've gone out recently from downtown to the boardwalk. That was a fun one. Wow. Uh, took a good spill on that one. Put me out for a couple of weeks. A lot of road rash. But no, it just, it's a different thing. Again, it's, it's a different type of workout. I like the need for speed, which is not a good thing to have. I constantly try to PR and see how fast I can go. Uh, current PR right now is 51 miles Ooh. per hour on a downhill. Uh, on a bike, wow. yes. Which <laughs> First time in 30 was scary, um, but now I'm at 51 and seeing if I can top that. You know, how much faster can I go on this one stretch on the downhill? So, gotten into cycling. You know, cycling is, is now my weekend thing. I run, you know, throughout the week and then go cycling on the weekends. You know, try to get out early so I can get back in early. You know, so 6, 7 o'clock, usually the go time, minimum 40, 50 miles. And then, you know, we're home still in time for breakfast. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, the other thing that I wanted to chat with you about was I know that you just had a birthday recently. So happy birthday, Nando. Thank you. And I know that you guys are beer aficionados. In fact, you might start up a new YouTube channel to just have beers, taste things. I'm putting you on blast. I'm going to put it here, right here on the podcast. We're going to help you guys spin this thing up and start this thing off. So give us some of your favorite beers and make some recommendations to our audience. Beers right now. Kind of go through phases. Early on, uh, it was all sours. Anything sour, the sourer, if that's a real word, the better. <laughs> you know, how much sourer can I get a beer? And that was it. Didn't didn't want anything to do with the IPAs. IPAs are just gross. It was, I mean, the, the pininess of it. It was, you know, like chewing on Christmas trees. Didn't want anything to do with it. But I mean, like wine, you start to develop your taste and your palate tends to evolve and everything. So transition to the IPAs. And right now, though, it's all about the hazies. Mm. Nice, cloudy, murky-looking beer, but a lot of flavor behind it. Personal best right now is going to be Narrative here in San Jose. Fairly new brewery that opened up during the pandemic. Great beers. I mean, it's just, there's flavor behind it, you know? And that's something you don't realize when you're drinking, you know, only Coronas and Modelo. Like, they all taste just the same. You know, you're not getting any fruit behind it. You know, now being able to taste craft beer that they put a lot more fruit into it and different ingredients i like beer <laughs> <laughs> well that's definitely something that we have in common and that we have in common with a lot of our friends i mean with jake and you guys and so yeah i'm looking forward to that youtube channel once we get that spun up because i want to hear about the best beer around and you guys are aficionados for sure we are. You'll be uh, in your behind the scenes. I mean, you're, you're right there with us. Uh... I'll, I'll stop in. I'll stop in from time to time. <laughs> well, 
I just want to say thank you so much for stopping in, for chatting with us. Where can our audience find you? Where, where can, if they have questions, they want to reach out, where can they find you online? Instagram, Nando underscore G. And of course, a plug for my dog. It's a uh, race the red doby with a period in between each word. So race, period, the period, red, period, doby, D-O-B-I-E. Uh, so you can follow him along and, and all of his runs. I post a lot of his runs as well, as well as his diet. He eats all raw food. He does not eat kibble or anything. So chicken, salmon, cod, raw eggs, ground beef, you name it. You got some uh, pork today, right? No way. Not sure <laughs> <Okay>. on that. <laughs> uh, but no, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on there. Um, I post whether it be beer, running, or anything else that interests me. But no, you have any questions, shoot me a message on there. I'd be more than happy to, to work with you. Give me tips and pointers and things that work for me. Again, it might not be the best or it might not be the right way, but I'll tell you what I did and if it worked for me or not. And fantastic presence on Instagram. I know that you recently took over the Run Local Instagram page, had a whole takeover. I know that you've done a lot of work with Taji behind the scenes. So fantastic, both photography sense as well as just fun, fun follow. So definitely, if you guys are on Instagram, go follow Nando. Ton of fun. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Wonderful stories. I'm sure we will have you back on again to dig into the other stories that we didn't get into, or maybe we'll have <laughs> separate sidebar conversations uh, <laughs> for the stories not safe for podcast ears. So thank you again, Nando. Really appreciate the time. Hey, no problem. Thank, Th- you. thank you guys for thank having you. me out here anytime. Open book. If you want to know, just ask. I-, I don't hold back. So appreciate you guys having me on. Our pleasure. And, and again, thank you for your service. That's right. Hey, anytime. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes, or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.